Hello and Hello. welcome back to In the Fire podcast. I am Thomas, once again joined by my two fabulous co-hosts, Peter and Justin. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm well. Nice outside. Nice, nice and good warm. Day, day, a good fire. weekend. <laughs> mm, it's burning up in here. I'm gonna have to put on some shorts <laughs> during oh. this winter fire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> If you would like to. January, so it's nice to have a little bit of fire to be in. Mm, and to warm up around. Yes. Possibly roast marshmallows over. Mm. Mm. Is that metaphorical? Maybe. Maybe. What do you think the metaphor stands for? <laughs> I think it stands for humility and leadership. That's a great... <laughs> Great thing to bring up today here, Peter, because that is actually the topic of today's episode. Wow. Uh, We're going to be talking about humility and leadership today, um, as Peter so humbly led us into this this topic. I have a joke, Um, so uh, for what we're getting into. Let's go. I think it's going to be good. Lay it on us. When Jesus invited the Pharisees over for a dinner, what did he serve for dessert? Hmm. A slice of humble pie. <laughs> yep. Let's go. Just one slice, a whole bunch of it. <laughs> uh, I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, because the Pharisees were proud and Jesus was humble, as we're going to see today. Um, but yeah. So thank you guys for joining, joining us. Uh, we also have an Instagram and an email. Peter, what's the Instagram? Our Instagram handle is in the fire podcast. Justin, what's the email? <laughs> three in the fire at gmail.com. The number three at the beginning of that. Mm, like the key three with also the number pound on the three number on the yeah. key on your keyboard. Number yep. pound, pound, the number. pound is on the number key <laughs> with the number three. <laughs> um. Yeah, so if you want to reach out to us through email over Instagram, please do give us give us some suggestions. I was just given a suggestion um, to go over Nehemiah or Ezra or do a combo. So oh, there might okay. be one of those coming in the future weeks. Nehemiah, uh, at least. I, I don't know as much about Ezra. I'm assuming Nehemiah would take a few episodes probably. So maybe we'll do some series coming up. A series, yeah, we could do another We could series. do a mini-series. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. The re-entry from Babylon. Mm. Yes. Um, so, yeah, please feel free. We're, we're open to interacting with our listeners. We love our listeners. Um, and, yeah, so here we go. Today is humility and leadership. Um, I think this topic is, you know, pretty crucial to the Christian life, uh, especially in, like, displaying our faith to the world and, and showing that Christians operate differently because, you know, us being in and not of the world. Uh, Our position as children of God transforms every aspect of our lives, but most importantly, how we interact with people. Uh, Christians are known by our love toward God and toward our neighbor. And as the great Mr. Rogers once said, our neighbor is anyone we happen to be with at any given moment. Great man. Also a great Christian. Um, and then this love that we inherit from the Holy Spirit is a humble love, and we can use this love to lead other people towards Christ. Um, and so we're going to be going over three little, three examples. One, Jesus, 
another of Jesus' sermons, and then lastly, one from Luke. Peter, do you want to kick us start, kick us off, get started with John 13, 1 through 10? And Justin, you want to read 11 through 20? If I must. (laughs) (laughs) I was a little worried you would give me the whole whole 20 verses. Um, All right. John chapter 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into his heart of into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. Winking at Judas. <laughs> so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do if you do them. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Mm. <laughs> I read those um, last couple verses again. I know I'm about to. <laughs> <laughs> Just for clarity's sake. <laughs> you want to read them again or shall I? How about you do it? <laughs> Starting from 19? Sure. <laughs> I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. <laughs> nice. Which I really like the end of that. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan. All right. So, John 13. Um, this is kind of right in smack dab between, um, like, Jesus's triumphant entry and then his journey to the cross here. Um, this is kind of on that journey that he's making and like he he like the previous chapter he just came into Jerusalem on the donkey and claiming to be the rightful king of Israel so he can come and usher in the kingdom of God and now he is quickly approaching his death and then this is where where this scene occurs what uh what kind of stuck out to you in these 20 verses guys 
the first thing I saw is the juxtaposition present here of Jesus' humility with his uh, position. And it, it starts with the beginning, I think. So like his hour had come that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who are in the world, he loved him to the end. Um, and then verse three, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, like it, it establishes the power and the position of Jesus immediately, which is, you know, they say second only to God, um, but, you know, part of the Trinity. So, like, he's the preeminent being in the entire universe. And that verse sets it up. And then immediately after that, he starts to wash the feet of his disciples um, and wash Peter's feet there. So that, I mean, it just pretty clearly contrasts Jesus's position versus what he's doing as a servant here, which I think is what we're getting at today. It's, it's a good example of humility. It starts off with it. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that juxtaposition. Yeah, juxtaposition is a good word for it. And Anytime you can use that word, you know you're doing <laughs> something good. <laughs> Indeed. And, um, you know, it doesn't, it, it just seems rare and unique, which I mean, ultimately, Jesus' power and love is rare and unique and unlike any other and better than any other and more perfect than any other. But I think it's because in, in large part of this, uh, of this juxtaposition. And so like, look at the context, as you said, Thomas, it's, after the triumphal entry on a donkey. Um, so there's just, there's all these overtones uh, and examples of this, uh, this juxtaposition between power and and servitude or servanthood. Um, and yeah, I think the verses that really speak to me about that are verse 13 and 14, which says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Um, so it's, um, yeah, obviously Jesus is esteemed and he's, it also sort of, sort of reminds me of, or there's a connection to the verse, uh, I think it's in Acts, which is those who exalt themselves and humble, those who humble themselves to be exalted. It's just that, that juxtaposition between being exalted and humble, um, which doesn't like directly relate to that verse, but just those two words, exalted and humble. Jesus is exalted on one hand, with his place in the heaven, heavenly, like heaven's realm and eternity, being the son of God and being, you know, God and human and, and one, but also humble to the nth degree and sets that example for us. Um, so it's very, very unique and very powerful, I think, um, powerful because of that juxtaposition. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think you're both hitting on some, some key points here. Um, I think like the key idea of this whole passage that I kind of want to bring up and kind of dive into more is like, um, like masters are no greater than their servants and masters serve their servants. Um, you see a great Jesus exemplifies like the perfect uh, uh, like example. Of, he exemplifies the perfect example <laughs> of um, servant leadership here and how he is still their teacher he's still their lord and he's still their leader but he yet he is also um getting down on his knees to wash his disciples feet even when he's washing their feet 
and serving them, he's still teaching them. Um, as Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if you do not, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but he is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. Um, and so like even like in his serving of the disciples, he is teaching them how to serve, how to lead, how to be humble, and also like how like washing goes. It's like, he's like, <laughs> you've already been bathed with, like you already have received me. I'm just washing you again. I am serving you. I'm doing this for you. You are already clean. Um, yeah, and I, and I really like that. I think that's pretty cool. Um, and he, he does this not only as like an example, but he also as a commission. Um, he's like, now that I have washed your feet, you do the same for each other, like help each other. Um, serve each other and then serve others too and so yeah I think I think it's cool how even in his servitude he is teaching and he is fully a teacher in that um, uh, yeah and so I like that anything else standing out to y'all I, I, I want to echo the language of um uh, whereas at verse 16, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is who, he who is sent greater than he who sent him. Um, you know, it's, and Jesus is also showing here that kind of the master um, not necessarily greater than what would normally be seen as a servant, his disciples. So I think like a good grasp of humility is to <laughs> always look at yourself as a servant. <laughs> <laughs> a servant of someone because that ends with being nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him um and i certainly take that as jesus is not him saying i'm not greater than my father um so we're all kind of it's a playing field almost though we all are at under god um no one greater than him yeah absolutely and if um yeah jesus of all people um he's the king and lord if he served others like we <laughs> we really shouldn't have like there's no other option for us if we want to if we want to serve god um i also wanted to bring up this verse that i was just bringing over again um the second half of verse eight jesus answers peter if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Um, which kind of stuck out to me at first, but the more I thought about it, it's like, um, like if we, or I guess a lot of the, uh, before, like when people were expecting Jesus, they expect him to come like as a king and to rule the nation of Israel, like as a, as a king um, and to put down the enemy. But if we, like, if Jesus were that king, like set apart from everyone else, like, higher status and didn't serve others but um we just served him then maybe like we wouldn't have a share with him because ultimately he the point of this humility is to uh or the the end of this or i guess like the um end game may not be the right word but like the timeline of the humility like jesus time on earth um ends with his death and resurrection and then shortly after his ascension but 
him dying on the cross it's like that's the ultimate form of humility as king and um that's him serving us and here he says if i do not wash you you have no share with me so in a way that um humble servitude is is necessary for us to have a relationship with god mm. yeah i think that's a really good point very strong mm-hmm it's also like we have to let him wash us too. Yeah, don't be too proud to not let him wash you. <laughs> yeah, it takes humility for us, mm-hmm. most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So humility all over the place. Justin, you got any closing remarks here? I do not. All right. Well, you, or I guess me, I'm up next for reading. Um, I can read. We'll be moving over to Matthew 7 one through six, and guess where we are in Matthew? Where? That's right, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, good place to be. <laughs> Chapter seven. Um, and this is, this is a little short passage here, but I think strong all the same, um, and definitely one that we all need to hear. Um, So here he is, Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you seek the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Yikes. Indeed. Attacked by pigs. Who trampled your pearls. Yes. And then turn to attack you. Mm -hmm. Scary <laughs> image. Uh, pigs are vicious, ferocious. <laughs> wild boars. Yeah, better wild watch boar. out. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe our our pigs today are a little less vicious, but <laughs> wild a wild animal is still a wild animal. Um. Yeah. So I think you know the the message is pretty clear here. <laughs> Like, be humble. Don't be a hypocrite. Um, it's way easier to point out the small specks in other people when you have great big blemishes on yourself um, and logs coming out of your own eyes. Um, but make sure you can see clearly before you go and, and you know, like, <laughs> criticize somebody else. Uh, make sure you're seeing the situation clearly from all, all the options. Um, I just have a little discussion question here, but uh, what are ways in which we can check for the log in our own eye? Well, maybe one way, because it's so much easier to see specks in other eyes. Maybe one way to check for the log in your own eye is to ask someone else what mm. if they see the log in your eye, <laughs> <laughs> because that person will probably it at least according to the six verses that you just read mm. yeah i think that's a good it's a good form of accountability too mm-hmm. yeah. to do that um and fellowship but i i like that 
um, because humans are naturally pretty good at seeing the logs in other people's eyes. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I guess and along with that, will your accountability partner, whoever you're talking to, like point them out for yeah for you since you're asking you're asking about it. Um, yeah. Along those lines, I think. If, if that's the route you're taking, like an accountability partner looking for logs and specs in each other's eyes, then you have to point out the spec in the other person's eye, not out of pride, which is the downfall that we see here, but out of like a true heart of wanting to help them um, mm -hmm. and then have them almost reciprocate it back to you. So you have to do it in the right way, I think, in order for that to be successful. But it's a good method. Yeah. Yeah. So iron sharpens iron kind of method yeah i think doing it out of love too which i think is mm -hmm. both, both of what you guys are saying um like with an accountability partner with somebody that you trust with somebody who you know has your best interests at heart um so probably somebody who knows you um somebody who wants to help you become more like christ um and to do that in a loving way uh, but yeah and to do that together as well knowing that if I point out your log, that you would also point out my logs. Yes. And then you kind of enter it into a, an agreement together, a joint venture, if we may. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. And so there, there's that. I think um, if we were to apply this to humility and leadership, it would be um, if you are, leading people in, in charge of a team, um, you know, you're, you're going to be, it's going to be easy for you to see the specs in your teammates and the people under you and the people you're sending out and um, whether, and it's going to be hard for you to see your own faults as a leader. Um, so in that you should always try and, and check your own eye before you go and you point out everybody else's specs or, and I think like with this comes along, um, and a, a piece of servant leadership in like serving your team in a way to serve your team best is by asking your team how you can be leading better. Yeah. Um, you're, like, you're asking your team, what are the logs in my eyes? And then you can then better help them be a better team. You can help them do their job better and they can help you do your job better as a leader and as somebody in charge. Yeah. And be receptive to what you hear too like you got to go in with a soft heart and Absolutely. open mind <laughs> yeah it takes humility to do that to ask in the first place and to receive yes you know, with the soft heart um so that's that goes a long way too but yeah just the team dynamic doing that um like yeah specifically like talking about teams now um like that's a great way to form camaraderie and trust with your team is to say oh i want to lead as best as I can what are ways I can be doing better that makes helps everyone on the same page and or helps everyone be on the same page and improve uh, improve teamwork at the same time um, yeah and I think yeah looking at the mirror looking at yourself in the mirror um, doing something for inspection I think like journaling maybe like seeing yourself from a third a third person point of view mm. as you're a leader like what is the best way I can help my team or like my teammates like how will they best learn to um, succeed? Like what's their, um, or like what ways do they wanna be led like most comfortably or most effectively rather than out of like judgment or um, uh, 
like subordination or something like that. Um, like being willing to, yeah, see it, see it in, in their shoes, see their perspective and ways that um, they will follow best when you are leading a certain way. And at prayer, asking mm. for the spirit to, to point things out in you um, are also, I think, good steps to make. Absolutely. God can humble you real quick if he wants to. <laughs> Indeed. Um, all right. Well, anything have, else? Yeah, I have, I have one more thing to say here. Generally speaking about hypocrisy, um, I think hypocrisy is one thing that really does come from pride, arrogance, um, and those things, hypocrisy, pride, arrogance, are all very like perceptive to outsiders so to the world around you it's pretty easy to tell when you cross someone who is a proud hypocrite i think we probably relate to that and anyone listening like when you, you when you just talk to someone you can tell and as christians i think when we step into that world of hypocrisy it sheds a really bad light not only on us not not on like on the specific hypocrite but on the Christian faith in general, um, I was actually listening or reading back through my notes on uh, heard from a couple of years ago, and the sermon really was about the Christian's role in in politics and what the church should, what the role the role of the church should be in politics. Kind of with the idea of the church should not to seep its way into like the American political system to build this American Christian, like those things shouldn't be merged together in this world out of pride. Um, because, you know, the church shouldn't go in and say, well, because we're this holy godly nation, we should also be in charge of America. That's a bad look. And people pretty clearly see when the church and when Christians do that stuff and when they become this proud hypocritical bunch. Um, and the whole, the whole point was that um, Peter writes in first Peter that are always being watched by non-believers. And I think that's true. I think the world jumps at chance to bash Christianity and, you know, kind of put Christians in their place. And when they get the chance to do that, when people get the chance to do that, they do, and it gets a bad look on all Christians. So I think specifically for us, when we're in terms of, you know, spreading the gospel, it's very damaging to our faith to God and his word when we are hypocritical, especially in this manner, when we're judging others without looking at ourselves, that's very easily seen by others around you. So it's important to make we stay away from doing it. Absolutely. I think it's also like, it's so natural because that's what the world also does. Yeah. And so it's a way of the world looking at Christians and saying, you're no better than us. And then bring us down to their level when in reality we're no better than them, yeah. but there is grace for yeah. given to us by Jesus Christ that allows us to, to have the Holy spirit and allow us to try and be better. Yeah. Um, and set apart, like we, the, the Bible says a holy nation, like we, we are to be set apart and we are to act differently from the world so that others can see the difference and then mm -hmm. their hearts can be moved that way it's true and but just because we're christian does not mean we're any better 
Exactly. It just means that we have been given the chance to act differently. Mm-hmm. And that is something that we want to do because of the love that has been shown to us, which is cool. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 That's special. Yeah. And we show that love to others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To the neighbor. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. It's definitely important to recognize that we're no better than them, than anyone. And, um, mm-hmm. And we're no better than each other. Um, and that we're all deserving of, of damnation. But um, through that, I think like that's important to recognize. And it's not always easy for people to recognize that or to accept that. But that is uh, a big step in, in one of the, I think, the first steps you have to take in being able to show that love to others and knowing that like our faith, our sanctification, everything that um, God has given us is a gift from God and not by our own doing. So I mean, that's another important thing to recognize. And the Holy Spirit awakens people up to things at different times in their lives. And it's a gift to give from God to when we are awoken and by the Spirit and and sanctified. And um, in turn, we can use that love that um, the Holy Spirit is working in us and that Jesus has shown us to show that to others and be a, be the light of the world. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We uh we got one more passage to look at. Thank you, Peter, for that good it. word. Um we're going to Luke seven, one through ten. And uh Peter, you get to read all ten verses. <laughs> <laughs> Luke seven verses one through ten. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he went to, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you to do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I do not presume to come to you, but say the word, and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servants well. Hmm. I love this passage. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. Um, not just because, you know, the centurion is a Gentile and so am I. But um, I think, especially like looking in humility and leadership, like this is a centurion. Like this is a man of great like standing and social prowess and like, he has a lot of servants. Um, and here he is saying, like, do not trouble yourself. Like, if you say he'll be saved, my servant will be saved. My servant will be saved. You do not have to come into my house. Um, and there, there, there's another reason for this, which is like, you know, it wasn't super kosher. <laughs> Jewish term. 
for Jews to go into houses with Gentiles or, or, or under Gentiles roofs. Um, and so this could be a way that this, because the centurion was familiar with like the laws of the Jews because, you know, he built their synagogue. <laughs> it's a funny picture there, Justin. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, because like he, he was probably looking out for Jesus and that like, you don't actually have to come to my house because you're a Jew. I know that might, might do some things, but what, what we do know about the centurion is one, he was a Gentile. Two, he built the synagogue. Three, he, he compares himself to Jesus. Um, he has outstanding faith and humility. Um, and as, in his comparison of himself to Jesus, he's like, I too have people that I can say, go and they will go, come and they will come. And I know that you, Jesus, have this power over everything. And I believe that you have this, that you can heal my servant. Um, and it's, this is a, a high ranking centurion, high ranking man going to a Jew to say, please heal my servant. Um, and that's some servant leadership right there. And with, it comes along with some, with, with a great amount of faith. And so I really like this passage and I think it's pretty cool. Um, what do you guys, what do you guys see here? I think it's also cool that we, we have, it's almost like a servant within a servant kind of thing going on here. Like the centurion is, is sending people to the, and then he's being humble here, but he's also doing it. Like, I think he's recognizing his servanthood under Jesus and his servanthood to his servant, because mm. it's his servant who is sick. And he's doing all of this to his servant, which is kind of cool. I don't know if a lot of master-servant relationships would work that way. This seems to be a pretty healthy one right here where the centurion servant is sick and the centurion himself is now sending word to go and find Jesus and ask him humbly to come and save his servant. I think there would be a lot of master-servant relationships probably now and throughout history even back then and at this day and age when jesus was alive um when the master would just kind of oh turn die i'll get a new servant it's just as good <laughs> but here we have kind of a different um, story that is mm -hmm. so yeah, good for the center <laughs> yeah most definitely his humility really sticks out um by saying to jesus um I am not, like, I am not worthy myself, because um, he recognizes, oh, yeah, Jesus is like, a, I should serve Jesus, all people, and it's easy, easy as, I'm sure, as a, a leader in this position, as a centurion, and with its authority, to not feel that way, it's, easy, it's probably easy to let that pride get to your, pride get to your head, or that position of power get to your head, but here, you can see the humility, and he just wants to do it, wants to do his best, um he wants to have a good heart and he he shows that and he is is leading from um care and 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 love he wants his servant to be to be healed um i love the quote that it's leaders eat last and here i think you see like he's putting his servants everything like before himself and um it's 
very commendable. And you just take notes of that. And that's something we can do as well. Yeah. yeah. It's probably not too often that Jesus marvels at the things around him. You know, he's God. <laughs> but this made him marvel, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. He was moved, certainly. Indeed. I like the line where he says, I have not found faith like this. Or I, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Yeah. Um, faith, yeah, it's just, it's just like, say it will be done, Jesus, and it will be done. And he also does it so easily. Like, he does it from a, a long ways away, and it is instant, which makes sense. He is God, but like he says, I've not found such faith, and then the, those people return home, and the servant is fine. <laughs> yeah. So, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a great passage. Um, I think here, like, yeah, you see the the centurion um, humbling himself for his servants, just as Jesus humbled himself by, well, coming as a baby for one and then washing the feet of the disciples for two. Um, and, you know, he's humbled himself many, many a time, the woman at the well um, and others. But, yeah, it's just good sweet hum humble leadership um do we have anything else to say about humility and leadership here um overall for just closing thoughts on the topic for today i've got a couple um distinct from each other but i think worth mentioning uh one is humility in, in another sense here and i think it's like I think one big reason that people don't accept the gospel is out of their own, um, you know, this world, and they don't think they need or need his word. I think that's probably maybe the biggest reason people don't uh, accept the gospel when they're presented with it. So I think one thing for us to be doing is to pray for those around us to be humble um, so that when the gospel is presented to them, at other points in their life, they can maybe have a soft enough, soft enough heart to accept it. Cause that's all about humility. It's hard. It's, I think one of you said earlier um, that humility is necessary to be a Christian. And I think it is like, so we need to be praying for humility for those who accept the gospel uh, or so people can accept the gospel. The other one I had was uh, another, another Lord of the Rings reference that I just thought of. Um, and it's straight out of the book. And I think it's in the extended edition of Return of the King very briefly. Um, so after Aragorn, you know, when the time comes for him to go into Minas Tirith and take over Gondor, um, there's a whole chapter on this in the book, which is kind of cool. There are a lot of people who doubt actually that he is the king and that he is who he claims to be. So they're kind of like, why should we just let this guy come in and take the throne? So everyone kind of stays outside the city and then he enters. And it's, a, of course, it's right after the big battle that just took place in front of Minas Tirith. And all these soldiers and all these people are wounded and Aragorn goes like one by one around each of them and starts healing them. Um, the chapter is called The Houses of Healing in The Return of the King. And the phrase that everyone says is um, hands of the king are the hands of a healer. And it's almost like a, 
a chronic thing where once he starts to do this and he starts to heal people, he goes around and he heals people who are injured and who are sick and who are about to die. And that's how he proves his kingship to everyone who is watching. Um, it kind of reminds me of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. Aragorn goes, he doesn't have to do this, but he does. And that's when people start to accept that he is their king because he is being a servant to all these hurt people and healing them. So it's kind of cool. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a in the book. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to get to that point in the book. <laughs> I just, uh, Thomas knows I just started the Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, nice. Yes. So I may be a long ways off until I get to that point. But it'll be a special moment when I yeah. read that chapter. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's a really good example. Yeah. That's the king or the hands of a healer is repeated a bunch of times throughout the chapter. So it's a, mm -hmm. a big sentence. Yeah. My my final thoughts would be um, that everything, like, everything points back to Jesus. So make this, obviously, remember, this is all about Jesus and um, someone of such high standing gladly giving themselves to, to become lowly um, and to serve others. And so that's the reason why we do this. And um, but yeah, like all the uh, grace and um, power and um, ability that we have to do the same is, is from Jesus. And yeah, just I think it never hurts to be reminded of that and to look at Jesus um, as the ultimate example for all of this and the reason for all of this. And I think um, great benefit come to us from serving. I think it's a great way to um, for our hearts to be transformed to, to serve and um, it's not like a chore that needs to be done but it really can um, be so good for ourselves and for our hearts and for our faith to be strengthened and just to experience joy in doing so um, and I don't think that can be understated either or overstated mm -hmm. yeah yeah I agree I think like when you look at Jesus, we see the greatest leader and the greatest humility. Um, yeah. And it's not just, it's not just like in these passages, but like he came, everything he did was like humble. And the fact starting from when he came as a baby to when he died on the cross, every act that he did, he did through humility. I would even argue when he drove people out of the temple. But, you know, you can go back and read that passage for yourself <laughs> and then get back to us over Instagram or an email ah, telling me yeah. your thoughts. Um, we love to interact with you all. Um, but, yeah, so just everything that he did was humble and everything that he did was divine. And I think it's important to know that... Uh, we are only able to be humble and to follow Christ and to and to lead um, the way that he led because he came as a baby and then he died as a man and then he rose and ascended to heaven. And so it's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. Yes, it is. Um, so, yeah, go be Christ-like. Go be Christian. And thank you for listening. Um, I'm going to pray us out. All right. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for a wonderful, nice Saturday. 
um, in the month of January in the year of 2023, uh, where we could just come together, talk about you, reflect on your humility, reflect on your leadership and the humility and leadership and faith that can be exemplified in us through our love of you and in the, in the love that you instill in us when we choose to follow you, Lord. Um, I just pray for everybody here and possibly our listeners and everybody who isn't listening as well. Um, just uh, instill your love upon your people, upon your children, so that they may outpour it to those who are not, who are, who do not believe yet. Um, and that they, that they may see your love in the way that Christians love one another and love their neighbor. Um, and in your name, we pray. Amen. 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 All right. <laughs> Again, uh, as mentioned, we have we have a few ways for you to reach us. Um, the email three, the number three uh, in the fire at gmail.com. And we have our Instagram, which is in the fire podcast. Um, it has the same little graphic as as the as the Spotify, so it should be easy to find. Um yeah, so please interact with us. We post whenever we have an episode. So if you like our episodes, you're going to want to be there to, to see the post, to see the, that it goes out and that it's published. Um, and just thank you so much for, for listening. And thank you for allowing us to keep wanting to do this because this is, this is really fun. We love it. So uh, thank you. And we'll catch you next week. See you. See you.